last week, A.R. Bernard was here, and he really helped me in the green room because we were talking about his message, and he said, well, I'm not going to finish, but I think this is what I'm going to talk about. And so when he said that, I thought, oh, that's so freeing, you know, because I struggle with that every time, and I've got this new thought, and that is, I'm not going to finish, but I will stop. And so that's what we're going to do in this message here today. And um, um, we pray before uh, a message often, and, and it's for a couple of reasons. And I was thinking about this because yesterday I was flying home, and I have these noise reduction uh, earbuds and so you can listen to music or watch a movie, but if you flick that button, the sound of the plane and those two ladies sitting in front of me, it drowns them out so I can have my own thoughts. And it's, the noise reduction is so cool. And I thought about that is why we pray is kind of like flicking on the noise reduction in our mind, in our life. Because, as Julian pointed out, we live in a world where there's a lot of chaos and a lot of hate and there's uh, fires and shootings and, and we come into a moment here and many of you might be uh, going through some kind of moment or experience of darkness. Maybe you have had a real close relationship with somebody and it's hit a wall and maybe it's your kids, maybe there's a breach in your relationship with your kids or a faith crisis and it, it feels like there's a dark place. And um, we can be sitting here in God's presence while other people are being impacted in a significant way, but the noise of our life is going on. And so we pray, Lord, just silence our mind and our soul for a little bit so we can hear from heaven. And um, that's what we pray. And if you didn't notice it, that was just my prayer right there. It's so easy to pray. You can just slip it in anywhere. If I was to ask you, is anybody afraid of the dark? I may not get as many votes as if I said, have you ever had moments when you were in the dark that you were afraid? Because nobody likes to be classified as, oh, yeah, me, I'm afraid of the dark, because that's what kids do. But there are times when situations have occurred and because it was dark, it was scary. Holly and I used to scuba dive for eight or nine years and we loved it. We dove a bunch of places and, and just don't as much anymore. But one time we did a night dive and everybody talked about how cool it is. And so we all went down and it's so cool and they give you these big flashlights, you know. And so they said, when we get to the bottom, we're just like 30, 40 feet down. You get to the bottom, you're gonna, I'm going to give you a signal, and we're gonna, all going to turn our lights off. And then you can see these little fish or entities or little something that glow. It's so cool, you know. And so um, we did, and then <laughs> I was the guy who was irritating the guide because five to 30 seconds was plenty of darkness for me. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is cool. Now, where are we? And, and I kept getting this picture of Jaws. Like, I, we could be sitting in the dark, and, and I don't know, sharks probably could see pretty well, you know? And so 
I like diving. I thought it was a cool moment. I just like click it back on. And he would come over and flick my light off. I don't think that was the last time I dove, but it, it was one of the last ones. But here's what I uh, want to talk about today. God is with us in dark times. God is with us in dark times, and often we can't tell, wait for it, because it's dark. See, I want you to know that this sermon is not going to be intellectually over your head. I don't, I don't know if I have that capability, but um, a lot of times we think when God is with us, that will look like the darkness will go away. But God is with us in dark times. We were like, are you there? Is this going to kill me? Do you notice? And I want to tell you, whatever the dark t- season you might be in, God is with you in dark times. And it doesn't always mean that the dark dis- darkness disappears, but it can. In 1 John 1, 5, it says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness. That is a comment that we could think about and ponder for a long time. I made this statement, and I've been reflecting on it, and here here it is. So powerful is the light of God's love that it can illuminate the whole world. So that's what we want to reflect and, and think on. Um, one of the scriptures that I've heard about and has been at the core of my soul since I was called to ministry in 1970 is Acts chapter 2 and verse 17 it says in the last days God says I will pour out my spirit on all people your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your, your young will see visions. Your older will dream dreams. I messed with the words a little bit. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. It is the beginning of the church. It was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It was a new day, a new uh, beginning of how God wanted to work in our lives and in the world today. And we began to see what unfolded was all that's written in the book of Acts. And there were miracles and healings and revelation and people bound in darkness saw light. And God was not was saying, I, I don't just have Jesus to be the light, but now that he's stepped back into heaven, into eternity, you now have the light of the Holy Spirit And so you can represent him. You can do the acts of Jesus. You can have the heart and soul, the spirit of Jesus because of the Holy Spirit. So I will pour out my spirit on all people. And so you're not disqualified because you are black or brown or white or male or female or old or young. Or you're not uh, held back because of your economic status, servants, or those who have servants. 
God says, my spirit will be poured out on all people because this light must shine throughout the whole world. And that's what uh, is in the heart of this church is uh, being a part of the light that can shine here in Los Angeles and around the world. And I'm excited about this next season with generosity.org in many ways is the name we are given to all that Oasis does in missions, what we would call missions or outreach and, and the, that sort of thing. But uh, Jesus being the light of the world is so key. And when I think about this scripture in Acts chapter 2, it says, your young will see visions and your older have wisdom, your older will dream dreams. And it's very easy for us to think the old people go, man, back in the day, this was awesome. And you should have been around when I was a kid. When I'm old enough to, to remember when there were nine planets. You know, I'm, I've just seen it all. <laughs> and um, the Holy Spirit reminds us that the older dreaming is crucial because it's not about protecting the past, but imagining the future based on what we've experienced in the past. It's dreaming of what could be, because the scripture says the latter will be greater than the former. But if you don't know about the former, how would you know if it's greater? That sounded really good. I, I didn't even plan to say that, but that could be the Holy Spirit right there. It's possible. A friend of mine, Dr. Jim Burns, he's been here a few times and he speaks all over. I was just talking to him yesterday and he said he's speaking at a youth conference where he started as a youth worker. And they said they're, they're saying they had two or three people. He's the same age as me. And, and he said they're calling us legends. And I was like, I just heard that at the conference I was at. So I said, I think legend is the euphemism now for old people. <laughs> so then he went and told my joke to his audience and didn't give me any credit. <laughs> Legends is a euphemism for seniors. That's it. But you know what? Um, you know how, how you get this idea of an old, like a grandparent, somebody in their 80s or something, they're like, I'm too old to mess around. I'm just going to say what I think. I'm only 65, but I'm there right now. I'm ready to say whatever. So I'm there, baby. So here's, let me just tell you something. What, why we're gathered here today. There was a move of God in starting in Southern California that we call the Jesus movement that began in the 69, 70, 71. I was right there in the middle of all this. And um, in just a minute, I have a video clip I want to show you because it was starting to sweep all over and all these young people were coming to Jesus. And it was supernatural. It was unusual. And um, thousands and thousands of people that you never thought you could reach or was even interested in going to church or didn't even want to hear about Jesus. There was plenty of darkness in that day. 
The great thing about, the, about God is the greater the darkness, the greater the light. And so when you see things, oh, we're, things are dark, have hope. Get encouraged because something's about to happen. So I have this video. And so what we did was uh, it, there's a little clip of us worshiping. And uh, we came, we drove in buses down to CBS Studios, not far from here. And Catherine Kuhlman was a well-known evangelist who had tremendous miracles. And if you're ever in a situation where people are talking about, you know, generals of the faith of previous generations, she would be one who comes up because of the dynamic miracles. But she had a TV show that they filmed uh, in CBS studios. So we were there and they were interviewing, but I, I just want to show you a little clip to get a taste of this. So take a look at this video. Where sin did abound, grace did overflow. And it's so beautiful to see the changed lives and the changed world that is coming about because of these changed lives. And millions are wondering whether it's just a fad or whether they're just on another kick. If it is a fad, it began, as I said, 2,000 years ago, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the beauty the glory of the whole experience as the uh, beach is just lined with thousands of people singing the choruses and praising the Lord, then walking out into the water and the bearing of the past, and then when they realize that all of the past is gone, that it's all been buried, that God has absolutely nothing against them, the slate is clean, it's a brand new life now with Jesus, and not only that, even as the Spirit descended upon Jesus after his baptism, their hearts are open and they just receive the power of God's Spirit to live that new life that the Lord wants them to live. And it, it's indescribable. <laughs> and, and you kind of get converted all over again. Oh, I do. I do. That's from a little documentary about Pastor Chuck Smith and the ministry at Calvary Chapel, but it gives a little glimpse just of things that were taking place there. And uh, there's something so life-changing when you encounter the light of God in the midst of darkness and see people's lives transformed. And it's also amazing when you're part of that, when your life is transformed. So you know that there, there's there are those experiences that you have that you bring with you into this moment today. And um, that's what we're talking about. It's, it's, we're talking about the converging of yesterday and today to prepare for God's dynamic tomorrow. And that's what this is all about. It's an interesting thing about light and um, the impact of light in our life. Um, Einstein's theory of relativity, which was much more than a theory, I just was schooled a couple days ago on 
theories have grades, and this would be one of the highest grades of a theory. So it's not just, it's a, you know, out of uh, highest level of endorsed theories by scientists, this would be one of the highest. But we talk about the speed of light. The speed of light is 186,000 miles a second. And Einstein's theory from his, his genius mind was about um, the, what happens at the speed of light. And they, they talk about this, if we could get into a, 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 an aircraft and travel not 186,000 miles a second, but like 150,000 miles a second, that if we went out in space at that speed, for five years, when we came back, it would be 10 years here. Because the closer you get to the speed of light, time slows down. And Einstein's theory was at the speed of light, time ceases to exist. It's in that speed of light where everything happens in the now, right now. And so um, stick with me because I can't go much deeper, all right? So this is like, <laughs> I dated a girl once that said, looked at me and goes, why would somebody get in a ship and go 150,000 miles? So you're missing the point. <laughs> I think this is the end of our relationship. <laughs> so, uh, but listen to this, at the, at the speed of light, um, it only takes eight minutes to travel 93 million miles between the sun and the planet Earth. Sunlight is only eight minutes old, but light from the furthest galaxy takes 12 billion years to get here, which means on our best day, we underestimate God's goodness and greatness by at least 12 billion years. There's a lot more that God is about and what he's capable of doing in us. But sometimes we look at God through our darkness. But this light is, is so powerful. So when we think about this no passage of time, this is where I'm getting to. Thanks for waiting for me. In John chapter 8, verse 12, it says this. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So you can walk with Jesus in the light surrounded by darkness. I am the light of the world. Second Corinthians 4, 6 is for God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. That makes me think that when we look into the face of Jesus, it makes me wonder, that's why the scripture says, seek his face, because it's outside of time. It's in that light where we find the light of God that all of his promises are yes and amen in this moment. Then it becomes, it's not about, oh, that happened in the 70s. It's like, wow, that's a glimpse of what God is doing right now and a glimpse of what he could be doing tomorrow if I'm, if I'm willing to follow. But then you start thinking about scriptures. Now, I hope this messes with your mind a little bit because then you start reading scriptures and you go, wait a minute. 
I wonder if that's that thing that Philip was rambling about. Before Abraham was, I am. It's like, I just thought that was religious talk where we don't understand half of what we're talking about. No, it actually means something. Before Abraham was, I am. It says, uh, the lamb that was slain before the creation of the world. Wait, why was Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. He was here. It's like it all happens right now. When we say he looks at you, not through your failures, but through the blood of Jesus, he sees you right now in your condition of forgiven and holy and righteous because of what Jesus did. Then we read scriptures, by his wounds, you were healed. I'm not healed. I, I'm praying about those wounds. I'm praying for healing now. But yeah, yeah, but by his wounds, you were healed. Oh, okay. <laughs> you understand? We struggle. I, I'm trying to believe what you're talking about. The words of the scripture matter. They're so packed with life and power. I'll throw something in there for you for free. <laughs> You'll hear this scripture. Listen, it says, promotion comes neither from the east, west, south, but promotion comes from God. I might have mixed up the order of those three, but the significance is the north is missing. I always find it interesting when a preacher says, promotion doesn't come from the north, south, east, or west, it comes from God. North isn't mentioned because that's where God is. There is a place in the north through the uh, galaxies that is void of substance. That's God's place. That is a place that he can bring his presence into our situation and to our world. Now, let me tell you about this story in, in the Bible. John chapter 11, you all probably heard the story of Lazarus who was raised from the dead. For those that have been to church, if, you, if you're new to church or to the Bible, I'm fixing to tell you that story. John chapter 11. So Jesus had three close friends outside of his disciples, Peter, James, and John. These three were Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. They were close. And so Lazarus got sick. Um, looked like he was going to die. They sent words to Jesus, come on. Miracle worker, come on, healer, come on back to your friend. He's dying. And so um, I'm going to pick up this story, and I want you to see something. This is important. It'll all come together in seven or eight minutes. I'm, tr I'm believing God. I'm calling it as though it will happen. It says, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus was already, had already been in the grave for four days. So he's making his way back. He gets to where Lazarus is and he's like, man, you're four days late. You ever felt like God was four days late to your darkness, to your heartbreak, to your situation? You're like, hey, it was dark. You're the light of the world. If you would have shown up when the rent was due, the lights would still be on. You know? Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. And when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, 
she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Have you been there? I have. Been close to Jesus. And then you go to that pain. And it's like, you go to church. I think I'll stay here. You go ahead. It's too painful. The darkness is swallowing my soul. Mary loved him. She's like, I'll stay here among the mourners. So Martha said to Jesus, look at this. Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? So I want you to catch what was happening. Jesus said, um, I'm here. She goes, oh, if only you would have been here. So we have so much faith for yesterday. Many of us, our focus, our faith, our confidence is out of the past. But Jesus is here now. And so he goes, well, your brother will rise again. And, and he's, uh, she says, oh, yeah, I'll know. She, she quotes her memory verse from membership class. Yeah, I know, I know he'll rise again just like everybody else will, but right now he's dead. And he's like, but she had faith for the future, faith for yesterday, but right now she's dying. And he said, I am the resurrection. Not I was and I missed it or I will be. He's like, do I am the resurrection, do you believe this? He's saying, come to this moment. Don't talk to me about the future and the rapture and the second coming. Don't talk to me about the 1970s. I am the resurrection right now. Do you believe this? I believe the Holy Spirit works on our soul for it to get us right here. That's why we have worship leaders. Come on, worship him. Everybody lift up your hands and turn your eyes to heaven. Come on, we're trying to get out of the distraction. Turn on the noise reduction and encounter God. And so uh, I think I'm going to skip the rest of it. Maybe not. Let's see. Let's see how much time again. Where did I finish? Do you believe this? Oh, yeah, verse 27. We still have them? Yep. Yes, Lord. She knows how to get all the questions right on the exam. <laughs> yes, Lord. I have always believed you are from the Messiah, from the Son of God, the one who will come into the world. So help me, God. And then she returned, then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners. Maybe today you need to be called out away from the mourners of your divorce, of your broken relationships, of your drug addiction or of the hurts or the abuse. Step out from the past of the voice saying you should feel shame, but pull aside and come into his presence. And then when uh, it says that um, 
She said, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. And Jesus saw her weeping and saw other people wailing. And look at this. A deep anger welled up with him. That's Jesus. Angry Jesus. He was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. There's a lot of things said about that short verse. Like why he wept. But I wonder really what was going on. The people were standing nearby and said, see how much he loved them? Well, he did. Maybe that's why he was crying. Maybe not. Because he knew he was about ready to walk out. Um, the people uh, then they said, but some said the man healed the blind man couldn't even keep Lazarus from dying. Everybody's got an opinion. I'll just leave it there. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across him. It's like, well, well, the Messiah has some anger issues today. <laughs> Rolls the stone away. And then uh, he said, roll, roll the stone aside. Jesus told him. And Martha said, the dead man's dead man's sister protested, Lord, he's been dead four days. The smell will be terrible. She now is a forensics expert. Wait, you can't go back and heal the past. You know, you can't go back and unhurt somebody. But you can see a transformation in somebody's life. This is all about coming into this moment. How many of us live in that place of our mind where we remember the pain? And I was reading about something uh, in our brain called the amygdala. And I'm not 100% sure I just said it right. So this is gonna be on the bottom shelf for all of us. But it's like so much of what we do, it's our emotions and our feelings, and so much of what we do, how we react, how we decide, operates there. The amygdala is like 10,000 times faster than the part of our brain that thinks reasonably. And so that's why you say, you can trust me. It, that doesn't go to the, the uh, cortex part. It goes to the amygdala. You're like, you're a man. I'm not trusting any man. I've had all these men and my dad. And you like, all that stuff goes through your brain. All that noise going on. And so many of our conversations go south because we're having conversations based out of our experiences, our emotions in the amygdala, and we can't even hear somebody's like, wait, I'm not a racist. I'm just trying to say, because we live in the pain, we live in the hurt, we live in the anger. And so it's so crucial for us to be able to really listen to somebody and hear them and understand them so that we can make a decision on how to respond, how to love, how to move forward. But we get so bound up in all the emotions. We get bound up in that darkness. And God wants to bring us to a place of freedom. And so that place of now, I'm going to wrap this up. And I'm praying the Holy Spirit is going to help you go, oh, I see how that fits. How do we get into that moment of now? Think about the things that we do as practices as believers. Thanksgiving, 
the giving of genuine thanks brings us into now because we just have to separate the fear of tomorrow and the anxiety of yesterday. Thanking God brings us into the moment. Worship brings us into the moment. Forgiveness releases us from the past. Accepting what is. No, 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 this can't be happening. It's happening. But the light of the world is here, you see. Letting go of regrets. Traumas keep us stuck. That's a PTSD is now not just reserved for veterans. We can all participate. And it's that pain, that hurt, that, that lives in that emotions of our soul that keeps us from being in this moment. So someone says, I love you. I really love you. They're like, oh, no, I don't have any, I can't do that. You can fill in the blanks. We have all these things to dismiss it and diminish. Oh, you don't really, I can't do that. And I don't want to just like stay over there. And, and just like, you do? Yeah, Jesus loves you. God loves you, brings us into this moment. Is this making sense to anybody? It's in that, it's in that moment where all the written promises of God become alive in this rhema moment that, yes, this is for me in this moment. There's hope for me in my pain and in my darkness and in that sense of hopelessness. I have a relationship with the, the source of hope itself, Jesus, and he's here. He is the resurrection and the life. I'm praying that Jesus is going to resurrect something in all of us today. Hope, freedom, peace, vision, imagination, dream, expectation, faith, boldness. If I hit anybody yet, something in your life that has gone dead coming to life. And John chapter 4 verse 35 says, don't you have a saying, it's still four months until the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe right now for harvest. So much that God has for you, so much that God has for us is available right now. And when we come together in faith, being available to him, we will take the past and we will ride from into that place of the latter glory is going to be greater than the former, and we're going to be a part of it. I got to pray. I'm not finished, but I'm going to stop, just like I prophesied to you. God, I thank you so much for your love. I thank you that you are the resurrection and the life, and we say, oh, Jesus, help us to see, like Mary and Martha, where we might be missing the moment that's right in front of us, where we can find our freedom. We can have the light of the world free us from darkness and that we can bring that light to others. In the name of Jesus.